What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Modern Day Sniper Podcast. Today, you are cruising with us on episode number 74, where we welcome our friends from the United Kingdom, Andy, Trez, and John. These guys are going to be our hosts for the classes that we're going to be teaching there this coming spring during the month of April. And we use this podcast to discuss what you can expect from those four classes that we have. And we also talked about some of the nuances of traveling to the United Kingdom with a rifle and the paperwork that's associated with that for those of you guys who are potentially interested in taking a class with us in the UK. We also discussed some of their struggles of developing the PRS UK brand and bringing more shooters into the mix so that way they can further develop the PRS UK series and have more participation. If you guys are interested in registering for any of those classes over in the UK, you can cruise over to their website at precisionrifleseries-uk.com and you can look under the MDS classes tab in the upper portion of the website. Super easy to find, super easy to register for. So some other classes that we have coming up here in the United States. We are going to be back in Pig River, which is in Virginia. That's coming up in November. We're going to cruise back to Altus in Florida for the month of January. And we're going to be teaching again in Volusia County, uh, which is also in Florida, during the month of February. If you guys are interested in registering for any of those classes, you can find the registration links for them at moderndaysniper.com under the events tab. Again, moderndaysniper.com under the events tab to register for our classes here in the United States. So guys, without further ado, thanks for being a listener. Thanks for coming back for another episode and enjoy this episode without any breaks. And until we talk to you guys again, keep your faces on the gun and thank you so much for your follow. First off, guys, welcome to the welcome to the podcast. We're super stoked to have you guys. Um, just uh, some introductions for uh, for those of you guys who are uh, listening in. Uh, welcome back to another episode of the Modern Day Sniper Podcast. And um, we got our friends from the UK here. And uh, why don't you guys introduce yourselves? No problem. I'll jump in first. Um... I'm, I'm the one that's a bit more used to speaking on this sort of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, you've got Andy here. I'm um, one of the directors of Precision Rifle Series in the UK. Um, obviously, huge precision rifle enthusiast. Not been doing it a great amount of time, but um, trying to change the way we do things in the UK and, and bringing you guys over. So, yeah, um, looking forward to this podcast. I've been listening to you guys for a long time. So it's uh, it's mega exciting to be able to jump on. Yeah, um... James, mainly the muscle behind <laughs> PRS UK. It's, uh, the brains are definitely not there. The muscles are. Um, yeah, I started. I started off shooting F class. That's where I started, and then seen something I liked and moved over, and obviously jumped on board. And now it's kind of taken over yeah. my life. Um, <laughs> helped us shape the way that PRS is in the UK. Definitely. Was was it Andy that you saw? Well, no, we can't. We we started off on a a WhatsApp chat, and it's like that's how it all started, wasn't it? Mm. And it's yeah. just like I'm sure I'm sure we'll get into the, the details. Yeah, the behind details it, it yeah. all come along, but yeah, yeah it, that's how it started, and uh, yeah, it takes over my life. <laughs> Pretty much about it for me. And there's a tendency to do that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, on the uh, the other wheel, the third wheel of uh, PRS UK, I'm Trez. 
Um, pretty much the same as the other boys. It was starting out in different shooting environments and disciplines and then saw, saw something on normally YouTube, I'm pretty sure it was, of you guys doing it across the pond. And as soon as I seen that, that was it. That was a bit of me that was, and I was hooked. So, yeah, me and uh, me and Andy was talking, and you know, from you know wanting to improve, like we, we're foxes, so sometimes you might have to knock a fox over at six hundred yards, and it just helps to be able to hit something a, a long way away. And we've seen all these guys doing it, you know, without even thinking on steel plates, and was like, oh, love to be able to uh, to do that. And um, you know, but I mean, there, there, there was. There was a, uh, an, another competition going on in the UK, but it was just run a little bit differently how we wanted to do it. And we decided to follow your your mantra that's tried and tested. And then we decided to, to bring that to the UK. So that's how it all started for us. And when when did this all come to fruition for you guys? When was the UK, uh, the PRS UK established? And, and like, what's your time frame? How, how did this all come about? So me and Trez, we, we kept it pretty quiet for for probably i want to say six months or so before we actually announced what we were doing um we we formed the business and then we announced it about four months later and we announced that in february of 2021 okay um, that, that we were that we were bringing the prs to the uk after we sort of agreed with shannon what we were doing and 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 obviously working as part of the actual precision rifle series um, and then we started running our first matches at the tail end of 2021. So our first official match was was August 2021. So it's very, very new to the country. Well, so what we do is very new yeah. to the UK still. Uh, Precision Rifle has been around, um, as Trez mentioned, but it was run differently to the way that we felt it should be run. Um, and we went down this avenue and... Um, yeah, we've not looked back since, but yeah, 2021 is when we, when we sort of kicked it all off. Yeah. Yeah. You guys are just two years coming on two years old now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this yeah. is this will be the, the end of our first proper series yeah. season this, this October. Yeah. Yeah. Finale on the first and second of October. Now, how many members do you guys have right now? So it's, it's a bit different for us. We, we, we've got a very, very small pool of shooters in the uk that shoot this discipline um we're doing what we can to try and grow that so we don't we, we don't rec we don't require people to be an actual member of precision rifle series uk to shoot our matches you can come up you can shoot them no problem at all we just have a caveat that if you want to walk the prize table and have your series score tracked towards the finale in the states at the end of the series then you, you need to be a member um but you don't have to be a member to come shoot with us that's that's what we're trying to we're trying to do is just is, is expand out to as many shooters as possible but our matches average anywhere between it's, it's like splash in the ocean compared to the states anywhere between 25 and 35 maybe some of the other organizers had maybe i think maxed out about 40. so it's a very very small pool of shooters in the uk yeah. um or active shooters we'll call that that would be a match at any one given time um the actual pool of shooters i'd probably say what do you reckon, Trez James? Will max out probably two hundred PRS shooters in this in the oh, UK? Maybe I'd say a hundred to one hundred and fifty maximum. 
Yeah, yeah. Really, there's plenty of long range shooters, loads and loads and loads of it. Yeah, it's, precision, it's, precision rifle, but precision rifle, yeah, 100, 150, the two, 250 is very, very maximum yeah. round here, yeah, which yeah. is obviously like a that's a two day match for you guys, but you it, it, it's growing, it is what? growing, like it's constantly growing, yeah, like on the Facebook pages, there's somebody new every single day that joins our Facebook yeah. page. Every day. The interest is there. The interest is there. What do you think is the, what do you think is there, or is there a barrier for entry um, between the current pool of long range shooters versus guys that want to come out and compete in the, in the PRS UK series? So I can tell you that straight away. It's, it's it's glaringly obvious price is the main thing. Uh, shooting over here is astronomical. Um, we we talk, we see like you guys are obviously having a bit of an ammo crisis at the moment, and um, people complain about how much stuff costs. And we're like, oh, we, we'd love to be able to uh, buy stuff for, for sure. that kind of price. Um, yeah, I'm going to say primers doubled overnight yeah. over here. Yeah. Um, we're just hitting the last three to. Four months, we're hitting the ammo crisis now. Like yeah. It's slowly come on to us. Yeah. So yeah, there's that's the main thing, and places to shoot. Um, that, that's the you know, biggest, that's the biggest thing in the UK is places to shoot, especially yeah. our discipline. Um, yeah. You're down to very very limited places we can shoot. Mm. The problem is, is the UK is known for um, for for bench rest, F class, uh, CSR, which is McQueen's, yeah. McQueen's stuff like that. So um or mini mini rifle and practical shotgun gallery ranges so we don't really have many long distance ranges um or when we say long distance ranges long distance ranges that that are suitable um and or will that we can shoot steel on that's that's the difference um because for in order for us to have a range that has to be signed off to what's known as a 308 range template which is used to be an old military check um and we need like astronomical, astronomical distances either side of a of a catch zone and behind if we don't have a backstop. So it, it restricts us. But what we've done is is we've tried to capitalize on the the best locations we can in the UK and make it as available as possible for shooters. Um, and we've always said from day one that as soon as we can physically drive the price down, we will. But until right. we can, we, we'll we'll just continue to run run as we are. Um, but yeah, this as Trey said, it's a combination of cost and and places to shoot. That's that's the biggest issue with with it in the UK for us. I think the biggest surprise for for us three setting up was the cost of everything yeah. in general. Yeah, that was that was the yeah. biggest thing. Like you think, oh, why is this so expensive? And then when you actually put a match on, you think, wow. This is going to cost a fortune. Are we even going to cover the fuel down there? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, persistence, passion. We're just carrying on with what we're doing, man, and just and just growing what we do as much as we can. Seeing the smile on the yeah. shooters' faces at the end of the weekend. Yeah, that's good. that's yeah. that's the best bit. And the thing is, as well, we've got some damn good shooters in the UK. Some very good shooters. Um, and in Ireland. And in Ireland as we've well. We've got a lot yeah, of Irish yeah. lads that come over. Yeah. So we've got some very, very committed Irish guys who come over and shoot our series matches. Um, show us all our plays. Yeah, show us all our plays. You can guarantee they're finishing top three every match. Um, so they're, they're very good. What uh, What is a typical, 
I guess, uh, you know, round count for you guys and, um, you know, on average, how many shooters come up? So average round counts around 150, 150, 160. So we tend to run 16 stages over two days, over two days. So eight stages a day. Yeah. Yeah. We'd love to be able to do a 20 round one, but the issues with a lot of the ranges are you can't start shooting until a certain time. And then you have to be finished by a certain time. So you're kind of <laughs> stuck with what you can do. There's so many rules that you have to bend yourself around to get anything done and make it enjoyable. So, so yeah, rather than rush people, we'd rather people have a good time. And we just we just it's do a, it as it's a... It's a social event. That's yeah. Our weekends, are, they're a social catch-up. We've like, yeah. Unlike you boys in the States who are happily travel for 12 hours to go shooting, a lot of lads here will struggle to travel an hour and a half to go shooting. Yeah. So when they do catch up, it's they're catching up with the mates. Yeah, and it's a good crack for everyone. I mean, but that's that's because we try to make it enjoyable. Yeah, um, but yeah, and t- typical turnout for us is, I mean, 25, tw- 35. twenty-five to thirty-five shooters at a match is, is typical for us. I mean, that's one of the things we saw. Yeah, I mean, real quick, sorry, Kaylin. Uh, that was one of the things we saw in Germany, where it's like the resources that you guys have available to shoot long range is very tough so my hat is off to you guys for having passion for this sport to not only to host events for other shooters but you know the lengths that you guys are willing to continue to uh, shoot this passion of ours uh so you know uh, we're looking forward to hopefully helping you helping you guys grow that yeah that's that's something that we're definitely not sure of is 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 passion for what we do Definitely. Between the three of us, there's a lot. There's enough to go around a hell of a lot of people. It's it's, yeah. it's, an, it's an everyday commitment. Yeah. It's it's nuts just how much time gets yeah. spent between us three via WhatsApp, phone calls. Yeah. Time on ranges. But the thing yeah. is as well, the shooters are very grateful. There's a lot of gratitude that comes from our shooters as well. Um, I think that, in fact, the last match that we put on, every single shooter came up to us and sort of shook our hand and said, Thank you. That was like that's the best match we've ever shot. Um, so well, we, it, it's it's rewarding for us at the same time, knowing that what we are doing is is enjoyed and actually appreciated. Uh, that's that's a big plus for us. We had a um, we had a shooter go out of his way and build us our own trophy for for us three to compete against. <laughs> yeah. So we have our own precision rifle yeah. UK trophy. Yeah. That we compete for each match because we shoot our own matches. Yeah. Um, because it's because it's so small, we don't we don't we don't run the same kind of format as you guys in the states. We don't have match directors for for matches because of the limitation on where we can shoot. We're the match directors. We're, we're always in within sort of hundred yards of each other. Yeah, like it, right. So right. It's like if something goes down, then it's just a shot away, and yeah, we can get something sorted. It means we can so, enjoy ourselves so, and shoot as well. Yeah. So let me guess, you guys don't have to you guys don't have to scramble for ROs, right? You guys are just self RO and everything. Well, we actually, we're very lucky. So we recently, we, we made, there's a, there's a range in Wales called Pro Shoot, and we, we struck up a relationship with them straight away and we, we got them really well with them. Um, and luckily they've got a set of ROs, which absolutely, Fit the lo- they love what we do. And within four matches, they were tuned into us and they know exactly what they're looking for. They know what should be safe, what's, what's allowed, what's, sort of typical PRS um, environment and what's expected. So we have an RO on every stage and we don't have to worry about it. 
obviously we're match directors if there is an issue they can get in touch with us there's always one of us on a stage because we only we run four firing points generally four squads um and we there's always at least one of us around or within ears earshot so somebody can get in touch <laughs> with us so it just allows us to to be able to enjoy it but yeah we we have our rows we we the guys will spot themselves um which is which is cool but yeah we don't we don't have to scramble around for for quality ROs in the UK which is nice <laughs> that is good that's super good yeah they're all they're all these are actually like qualified ROs as well these aren't just volunteers these are people that have actually gone and done the uh, a range officer course with yeah. an accredited uh, organization yeah so you know they <clears throat> they know the score and you know the the, the ROs that we use at uh, at ProShoot they are uh, they're all members of the club at the range, so they don't want nothing bad to happen because then they don't have nowhere to shoot themselves. So they, uh, they're they pretty damn good, man. Really, really good. You guys have a higher vested interest in making sure that these venues um, are friendly to, to your cause because if not, then... You know, you guys have no place to shoot. And we've we've ran into a couple of those situations, at least here in Washington State, where I live. Um, you'd be surprised outside of um, some private facilities here in Washington State and some state and state land. Um, there are not very many places that you can just go and say, I want to go shoot long range today or I want to go shoot a course of fire on steel. It's even limited here. And um, the clubs that are uh, open to it, there was one club on the west side of the state <clears throat> that on the on the entire west side of the mountains, there's only one range that you can shoot out to 630 yards. And uh, they used to run uh, monthly club matches there. And uh, unfortunately, for whatever reason, the um, you know the the tenured uh, members of that range didn't really appreciate or like uh, the way that the that the uh, regional series was being conducted and they they disallowed them to continue shooting on the range for their series which is a huge huge bummer for everybody on that side because there's literally nowhere else for them to go and now everybody has got a two and a half hour minimum three hour minimum drive to come over to my side which is the dry side the desert side of the state to go shoot at um only one or two venues over here too so um where we have matches in the united states um very I mean, there's a few established locations, like a few established ranges where where people can go shoot and be members. But the majority of the matches that are shot here in Washington State are all privately owned uh, pieces of property that are just um, kind of molded into a venue that you can run a rifle match on. So um, we don't have nearly the same uh, scarcity as you guys do, but it's not... Um, it's not like there's not a plethora of choices here um, in the United States either, right? There's more, but not nearly as many as one would think. Wow, that's surprising. Yeah, that's surprising. But we thought you boys could just shoot long range within half hour of your house. <laughs> well, so like you can. So I mean, as an example, my where both Philip and I live out in in the West, you know, if you have the means and you can get out to state land and it's safe, you know, you can go out and shoot rocks for for days. You know what I mean? Like there's literally hundreds of miles of road that you can go out and shoot rocks on. Um, but then again, it's like, if that area is not controlled in terms of access, you know, somebody could ri be riding a, an ATV on the, on the ridge that you're shooting rocks on. And, you know, there's obviously a safety concern there. So, um, but established ranges is not as many as everybody thinks that there, that there are. 
which is well, why which is why there's so much travel for PRS. It's probably the it's probably and if makes, you look at the square yeah. mileage, it's probably very similar to UK by the sounds <laughs> yeah. of it. Yeah, it's probably a good shout actually. Yeah, that's one of the crazy things that Philip and I talk about all the time is is the distance that people will travel in the United States to go shoot. It's it's mind blowing. I mean, so the it's, UK is it's, complete opposite. So, you, the Brits are lazy. We we are lazy. It's as simple as that. Like, if somebody said to me nine hours to go shoot, he's like, "Yeah, I'm not going." Yeah. Oh yeah, it's nothing. I mean, I shot a match in, with Philip. Uh, it's one of the matches we both love to shoot, and it's a twelve hour drive for me. And I will I won't even think twice. No problem. Day in the truck, not a big deal. Uh, it's Montana. Montana. Yeah, that's that's, yeah, that's some drive. Four hours, and I'm thinking, eh, is yeah. it really worth going? <laughs> it depends on the round count, though. It's because we will commit to, to going to shoot. If it's if it's a two day match, it's different. Um, if it's a one day match, you're not going to travel an eight hour round trip for maybe an 80, 85, 100 round count day, possibly. If it's if it's a hell of a drive, I don't know. Two day match is different because you stay over is more of a commitment. But I happily travel two hours to go and send twenty five rounds. Exactly. When you shoot F class, you'll F class, go. It doesn't bother. Yeah, them. but yeah, no. James, James is right. The, 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 this, I wouldn't say the Brits are lazy. I think, um, I think it's that we just like. <laughs> I, I want to say value for money. Maybe it's probably the best way of explaining it. Would you say, Tres, is they want value for money? Maybe. Uh, I think. Um, I think it's any number of them things. I think a lot of the people want to. Wanted to, they, they, I think most people are happy to travel it if they've got someone to travel with, say. Yeah. So I don't know. So from my house to Scotland, where one of the big ranges is in the UK, that's a seven-hour drive. And if I'm filling up my truck and I'm doing it on my own, it's going to cost me a small fortune to go and do it. And before you know it, it's, you know... It's over a thousand people we a weekend, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's just us driving. I mean, I can get to the States... Like we've just literally just booked to go to um, the finale at uh, K&M. And it's cheaper for us to fly to Tennessee than it would be for us to drive to Scotland and back. It's it's a return flight to Tennessee. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. In my truck, anyway. My truck's a bit of a gas guzzler, I won't, I won't lie. But, um, but yeah, it's it, and I think that's what the issue is. So when, we, the, when the community grows more and there's more people living close to each other that can buddy up and i think that i think traveling will will start to come into play but at the moment yeah. everybody seems to travel on their own unless you know they know that there's someone that's going to be shooting with them if it's their buddy or something so like we just got to keep growing it and keep growing it and keep growing it and making it known to people and then hopefully with a bit of luck fingers crossed we'll um they will start to travel and all moan less about it <laughs> yeah one thing I will say is that we 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 constantly constantly sit on OS maps, scanning the UK for locations that we could look at setting up as a range. And it's the problem is is that everybody likes to walk in the UK. So you find a big patch of land, and then you find it's got a lot of public footpaths through it. Well, and that's that mm-hmm. that's that's that area's got yeah, that, kind of use it now. That's the thing with the UK. There's no publicly owned land. It's all privately owned. So you you might find this huge ginormous patch of land, and it's either owned by the military, which at the moment they don't want to come anywhere near us as a uh, as a discipline of shooting. So until that changes, we can't use military land. Some of the you know the live firing uh, areas and stuff, which would be the key to us. If we could get that, it would change everything for us. But mm. 
after that, we've got to find huge open spaces where there's no footpaths. There's no, uh, there's something called right to roam in the UK. So they put footpaths everywhere. So, you know, there are, there are, there is locations that I've found about 15 different ones that would be amazing places to shoot all up in the mountains and the hills and the valleys and stuff. But it's then, you've then got to convince the landowner and, yeah. and that's the hard part. As soon as you start, Talking about guns, the land, look nine times out of ten, the look they just their guard goes up and they uh, they don't want to know that, and it it will it will take some time. You know, maybe in a, in ten years' time, we'll uh, bank some yeah, money yeah. and get ninety percent of the UK don't even know we can have guns. <laughs> yeah, that's the valid yeah, point. Yeah, this is true. Yeah. A lot of people in the UK don't even realise you can have rifles. Um, they kind of go gun. Well, how, how how did you get that? Um, What's the what's the what's the process of owning uh uh you know getting getting your license? We we, we actually went through this with David Baker on his podcast recently. Okay. Basically, you need a justified reason for owning a firearm, whether that's club shooting, vermin control, sort of so foxing, <clears throat> whatever it may be, um, or, deer. Or, or deer management or something like that so you need to have a valid justified reason for owning a firearm that's the initial process and then if you want that that's to obviously go shoot at a club range or if you want to shoot over land you need to have permission on that land so you need to have permission from a landowner that land has to be signed off to a specific caliber you can't shoot well by by default depending on the constabulary that you get your license through you're limited to being able to shoot a rifle to a specific caliber that that land is signed off for most go up to around six mil six and a half mil. yeah but it depends what it is it's all yeah. based on safety and backstop and what what the firearms officer will will deem safe on that land so it's 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 a bit of a ball ache it's, it's a bit of a kick in the there's nuts. a few hoops to jump through like it's one of them everybody in the uk with a clean medical and clean criminal record is entitled to a shotgun yeah. or shotgun license and five percent of that's entitled to a firearms license yeah it's pretty much how it how it goes yeah um, but it's not it's not a horrible process it's it just sound a few it sounds a lot worse than what it is yeah when you write yeah. when you write Agreed. it all down it sounds hard work when you go through it all and you start to learn it it's really quite simple yeah but when you got it it then opens up and becomes a bit easier yeah um especially when you start building up relationships with your firearms officer you find that you're sending in variations for new calibers all the time and, and stuff like that so, so obviously you guys in the states you could you could walk into a store and just buy a rifle we have to send well well within reason obviously but we have to send off a variation on our firearm certificate to, to be able to make sure that we can have that caliber of rifle and then wait for that to come back and then purchase it but if we want to get another one, we then either have to do a one for one swap or request to have another one. Yeah. Or if you if you start being savvy, what we do is we'll just run an run an action and we'll get a couple of different caliber barrels and switch them out <laughs> so you can get a spare barrel. <laughs> but you still have to have that added to your certificate. It's yeah, it's one of them. Don't, you can go up and say, I want a six mil. Fine, here's your reason for a six mil. Do you want push out the box and say, I want two six mils. Then you've got to give them a valid reason why you need two six mils. Yeah. So if you go once for shooting foxes, once for target, then it's just fine. Yeah. It's just fine reason. But yeah, it's, it's not as bad as it sounds. No, it's not as bad as it You sounds, just have to be creative. 
You have, yeah, you have yes. to be creative, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Give them the so spiel, is, basically. Yeah, so for instance, I've got a two-two Rimfire, a two-two-three Ackley improved, a six-five Creedmoor, a spare barrel for a six mil, a spare barrel for a six-five Creedmoor. I've got a six dasher on the way, so I've I've been creative with the way that I get my my stuff because I need it target stalking whatever it might be See. vermin control now the police are going to show up tomorrow at your house after listening to this I'm going down a different route. <laughs> yes i'm, I'm right. selling all my rifles and going down a complete different route of going i'm going to build myself a nice custom and have multiple barrels yeah because it, it takes me what 15 minutes to swap a barrel around yeah mm -hmm. it's got to be creative yeah. that's all it is yeah but for anybody that wants to get into it you just got to approach just a, do a little a, bit a of research a little bit of research so you so you've got some awareness of how the game works yeah and then go for it if in doubt get in contact with us yeah it's as yeah, simple as that we we're more than help, help yeah. happy to help out and and the, the the police are starting to understand our discipline as well that's that's one of the issues that we have found is that the the, the firearms officers and police don't understand our discipline and what well, we do they go oh well is that is that target shooting well yeah it is but it's not prone target shooting or anything it's called precision rifle yeah this okay. discipline's been in the uk for coming on 12 years yeah i so i think one of the areas where there is a disruption in understanding what it is that we do <clears throat> with our rifles and that is um the connotation of the precision rifle series right it's it's not really it's not really a good descriptive uh, term to holistically uh, understand what it is that we do in our discipline. It's not precision rifle series. it's it's a practical rifle series. it's it's practical rifle shooting. Um, and I think that's where sometimes people get confused because it's just like, well, what do you mean? like isn't that? like F class or bench rest. And that's, those are precision rifles as well. That's precision. That's the precision rifle aspect of things. So sometimes I think that that connotation of the precision rifle series um, is it's, it's kind of misleading in the sense of what it's actually describing, because this sport was not, it, this sport came up as, as practical, practical tactical rifle skills and it's obviously evolved from there into what we see uh see it as today so um the education piece is a big time it's big i mean especially for you guys making sure that that your law enforcement understands what it is that you're doing um and it is it is different being um you know just being in europe in general um you know, doing the course that Philip and I taught uh, in Germany in um, in the early uh, the first week of July is different. You know, you're you're in um, you're in an environment that you're unfamiliar with. You know that that environment is unfriendly to firearms, um, or maybe not unfriendly is the is the right word, but it's um, it's abnormal. Let's put it that way. Whereas uh, it is very normal in the United States to see firearms everywhere, right? So. Um, and it's uh i can see how that would be i can see how that would be somewhat nerve-wracking for people to be to say oh i don't know you can you can even have one of those things so you can well but then then you realize that you're under a tremendous amount of scrutiny at the same time um there are like there are states in the united states where uh firearm ownership is is 
very kind of sketchy in terms of like, hey, how many laws are there that are governing my ownership of a firearm? And am I violating any of those laws? Um, there's a lot of states on the East Coast that are that way, that it just it, it makes you very nervous about, hey, am I actually like, am I following all of these laws? So um, I can only imagine from y'all's perspective. It was difficult for us to kind of get across that it's not just guys running around what shooting off wobbly props. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> there, there right. is there is a format to it. There is a discipline. There is a safety aspect. There to is it. a lot of accuracy involved. Um, and yeah, mm-hmm. and and the the guys who are running what we do. And at that time, it was obviously myself and Trez, and then James came in sort of a few months later. Um, that that piece and trying to educate them and say that we're not just coming up to just run around shoot off wobbly props at steel plates there is a massive safety thing with this we we have a set of rules that we have to adhere to we, we we do things a certain way and it kind of calmed the nerves and luckily we got we got in with with um some guys up at, in scotland and they they helped us kind of get off the ground with it really because yeah, they, they, they they did they did really well really well they helped us um and then since then we've kind of we've managed to educate a lot more and i think because because the community of what we do is spreading out throughout the uk they obviously they're speaking to range owners and bits and pieces and then we found out our pro shoot and then we discussed it with them and they were like yeah cool no worries as long as it's safe it's real, cool real I mean, the first time they that we we went there they they kind of because they're used to uh, practical shot the mini rifles and that sort of stuff they it blew their mind that we would sort of move around with a rifle in our hands mm-hmm. so much even though the bolt's back um it blew their mind a bit and the well, guys were walking around without rifles in bags and stuff like that so we've what we've done is is when we we we've kind of adapted the way that we work with the guys there so rifles will be bagged at all times unless you're staging for that up for staging for instance um and we just kind of work with the guys at pro shoot but yeah they they, they shit their pants yeah, a bit i'm not a, gonna lie just a quick just a quick one on that the, the first time we went there like we were trying to find like right what's the furthest place how far can we get from here and they were like um are you sure you're going to hit a 10 inch plate at 600 yards? I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, don't worry about that. That'll be fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, they were blown away on how accurate the, the guys, guys are. Were. Yeah. Yeah. We had that at a local, at a local uh, place here in, in uh, close to where I live. Um, you know, they, in order for you to use the range, they have to make sure, you know, they're the, the range officers are going to observe you shooting, um, and make sure that you can hit all these targets before you're allowed to use the range by yourself. Um, just because uh, the the behind the range is um, privately owned land, and it's um, it's un, basically it's it's privately owned, but it's also worked on as an there's an orchard back there, and there's orchard workers that are you know constantly moving through there, and so it's just a, obviously it's a safety concern. But um, yeah, it's pretty surprising when some people are. You know, just like, yeah, no problem. 600 yards, two minute of angle plate, not a big deal. Like, easy day. Yeah, they're not fussed by it. But that's, that's the thing about pro shooters. They, they, they're, they're willing to evolve with us as well. And they, like I said, they've been very good. Brian and Josh, the guys who run it there, they're incredibly welcoming, supportive. They want this to grow as much as we do because obviously it's a benefit for them as well. 
Um, the range is forever evolving. Every yeah. time we go there, it, you can drastically see improvement. Yeah, which which is good. nice. Well, hopefully, hopefully this podcast and and the podcast that you did uh, with David Baker is going to help you guys grow and basically just I mean just get the word out to people and and say hey there is, there is a big community in in the UK um, per you know in relationship to the size of your of your of your country right so hopefully we can help you guys get some more word out and um, and grow some membership even from you know further surrounding nations like Ireland. Um, and then, you know, your, your European counterparts. And because um, I know that there's also a pretty significant shooting population in Europe as well. So we're, we're planning on coming out and, and teaching some classes with you guys. So um, maybe uh, let's take this opportunity and, and talk about uh, the range that we're going to be using, um, the amenities and, and what you guys have available to kind of like, I don't know, sweeten the pot, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, firstly, it's it's a big deal for us to get you guys over because there's a big buzz around it. And obviously, as I said, we've got quite a small community of shooters, but everybody's excited about it. And the fact that we managed to get you guys to come over. So firstly, thanks for allowing us to sort of get you guys over. It's going to it's going to tick a lot of boxes for a lot of happy shooters. Put it that way. <laughs> there's some very excited people, but um pro shoot as i said we've mentioned it a few times that's the range that we're going to be using um currently there what is 600 yards trez isn't it currently 600 at the moment but we will have uh a new area cut for you guys um prior to that and it will go out to 850 900 yards so yeah it's plenty plenty of distance uh you've got about uh three 350 meter wide span at that distance from left to right so um yeah. it's it's not a hugely wide uh range but it's what's the, what i love about pro shoot it's it's uh it's an old coal mine so it's it's, it's the old tips uh or the old i don't know if it's slack or not but yeah it's and that's that's the one yeah uh all the tailings, tailings are all mounted up and that's what we're shooting into and what's so good about it it's on top of a hill right on the coast so it's, the wind is hellish. The wind the windiest <laughs> place you could ever believe. Um, you know, there's there is zero um there is zero cover coming from the North Atlantic coming up the Bristol Channel and then straight onto this hill. So it's it's always a bit spicy when it comes down to wind. Um so it's it's challenging and it has different winds in different places. I mean, we've watched two winds converge on each other at five hundred yards and it's blown our shooters' <laughs> minds before. So yeah, pro shoots. Um, it's fa- you know if we have our way and they keep yeah and they and they keep us kind of involved in how they want the range to go. I think it'll be the best facility in the UK before long. Um, nice, it, but uh, it'll be um, it'll be all decked out, ready for you. Um, you know they'll be covered. We'll make sure that the firing points are covered for you, and because you know it is the UK and it will be the rainy season come April. So, but you know, hopefully the weather will be fine. But you'll be plenty of uh, either shade or cover. But yeah, it'll be um, it'll be really good, really really good place. Yeah. We're excited, man. We're we're super stoked. What are the uh? Let's let's run down uh, the classes that we're going to be teaching there, and then I think we can also give just a real quick kind of 10,000 foot view 
uh, of each class of what we're going to be covering. So I think the first one was intro, right? That's yeah. That's the main thing that people are, um, they're going to, Oh, okay. So what, what do we get out of the class? And you can say, well, all the information is on the website and we give them the link to your guys, to your website, obviously. Um, but for those who are listening, sometimes a verbal explanation is, is a lot better because you get so you can get some of in between the line info, I suppose. So yeah, first course is, is PRS 101, which is fifteenth uh, to the eighteenth of April. All right, so let's yeah, let's cover down on that. So the intro or the PR one hundred and one, that's what we call our introductory to uh, law range or precision rifle. Uh, we went through like a an internal uh, naming convention for. I say marketing purposes, right? Because long range is still more known to search for than precision rifle. You know what I mean? Even though it's kind of the same thing. Um, and so with our intro to long range, it's four day class. And um, I mean, we can either take you from zero to hero, meaning like you can show up with no knowledge of long range shooting. And by the time that you get done with it, understand what you need to do to uh, build a rifle, especially if you're borrowing somebody's or um, essentially have you shoot out the distance six, seven, 800 meters with confidence with your rifle system um, and understand everything that goes along with long range shooting. Or you could be a, um, you know, 10, 15, 20 year uh, veteran behind a rifle uh, and, and pick up uh, some of the small things that uh, Kalen and I have seen and experimented ourselves with the last 15, 20 years that we've been doing this, especially with the evolution of marksmanship mechanics with regard to new chassis systems, new styles of shooting, uh, that really uh, if makes you as most efficient behind that rifle system as possible. You know, so, um, you know, so if you already have an understanding of internal and external ballistics, you know, maybe, you know, we're not giving you any life changing information there, but the small things that you're going to pick up in the class that you won't get by, you know, watching yourself or, you know, going to an instructor that doesn't have the, I would say mileage that I would say Kalen and I have through years of our service as snipers and now as competitive shooters. Right. I think we're able to just pick up on those small things that not too many people look out for, for that, for that advanced level type shooter. So introductory level or even advanced, we, we got you. Very diagnostic, very diagnostic. <clears throat> we're trying to find, we're trying to find all those little tiny things that, that, um, onesies and twosies of those tiny things don't necessarily add up. Um, but when you start, you know, two, three, four, five of those little tiny things that start adding up, then it's going to start to affect performance. And that's what we want to zero in on when we have those courses. That's one of the reasons why we, we wanted you to come over because we had this conversation. Like who, who in the UK can honestly uh, be uh, trainers in long range shooting? There's people out there that are fantastic shooters and I'm sure there's lots and lots of military guys, former snipers, what, you know, um, F-class shooters, all the rest of it. There's loads of good shooters, but can they actually teach and be able to uh, and properly, like, 
diagnose problems and stuff. And that's that's what we we said. Like nobody's got the type of experience that you guys have got in the UK. So if we're gonna do it, let's do it properly and let's get the best that we can get over to come and help out everybody. And you know, like you say about this course, it's not about just precision rifle shooters in our discipline. It's about long range shooting in general and that's mm. where hopefully we'll get more people to um kind of see that and help help them. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. just a, I think go ahead, go ahead, Andy. So I think I think people are still very naive to the fact that if you don't have the fundamentals, then you may as well not pull the trigger. Because there's there's no point in doing it wrong. And I don't think people understand the fundamentals properly until they've been on an instructed course or had the corrections made for them and said, your left elbow is too far forward and prone. You're not square on the rifle. Why is your, your butt stock so far into your shoulder? Why is it not more central? And they've not had people pick that up. So I think they're very, very, very naive to, to fundamentals still. And a course like this can help correct that. And it might be the little things like that that blow people's minds. And you go, well, hang on, I've just gone from a B and a, if you grade like ABC, I've got, I'm now, I've been a, like a C grade. And I'm now, just by changing one thing, I'm now like a B grade, you know, <laughs> that sort of thing doesn't get identified in the UK. Um, and like, like Trez says, there's nobody that can really correct that and, and teach that in the UK. That we're aware of anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, day one of the intro class is really a focus on, uh, like we talked about circle of components, like the rifle system itself. Some of the things that, you know, we look out for when we're building a rifle specific to your application and your journey of a, of a long range shooter, you know? So we talk, Hey, everything is based around obviously application, uh, and cartridge selection, right? If I'm going to go, uh, if I've got a hunt, um, in the States, um, Western, you know, game hunt and what's a, a lifetime opportunity, you know, we're going to recommend some of the bigger guns. Um, and especially if you, it's a backcountry hunt, obviously we're, we're looking at weight, right. Or if you're looking to get into competitive shooting, right. We're going to complete you on a complete different spectrum of, you know, uh, a modular chassis that has ability to add weights, heavy barrel profiles, stuff like that. Right. Um, and then, um, we just straight up go through uh, our fundamentals of marksmanship as we see them and essentially just murder you at 100 yards. Like we don't leave the 100 because we want to make sure you understand that in theory, if that rifle system is a half a minute of angle, it should be shooting a half a minute of angle all the time, regardless of what kind of stresses that we put you in for that specific time frame whether it be 30 seconds, 60 seconds, or a minute, you are essential or a minute 30, you are uh, subscribing to um, our definition of what we feel like a proficient, proficient precision rifleman should be capable of behind a modern rifle. And so and you, and, and you run stuff like the 21 dot drill and stuff in, in that. Yeah, yeah, 21 dot drill, then we just have our like, kind of like, I just say bag of tricks, but specific drills that we've created throughout our, our years of instructors of like what drills really highlight a specific, um, uh, training objective we're trying to achieve is like natural point of aim. Right. Um, you know, there's a specific type of drill that, you know, uh, allows the student just to strictly focus on the natural point of aim, their, 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 uh, their breathing, 
and, and whatnot. Um, and then also allow them to find their own truths, right? Because it's like, hey, this is a technique that's commonly taught or, you know, that you read on the forums that has been out there for so long. Well, we're going to have you do that because maybe that's something that you've done. And then we're also going to show you, okay, now try this, right? This is going to be, it's not saying that the way before was wrong way because obviously it was successful at this at some point. But we're also going to show you, hey, this other technique that we've learned, that we stumbled upon or, you know, that we learned from somebody else, like, it just made this one, two or 3% better. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And mm-hmm. allow you to see it for yourselves and shoot it for yourselves. Cause we're huge fans of, of finding your own truths, right? We're never going to tell you to do something and a not demonstrate it ourselves, but B not expect you to, uh, find out about it yourself. That's why you're there at the class is so that we are like, Hey, this is a AB testing now. And the only way that you're going to get out of it is if you actually apply, what we're trying to teach you mm-hmm. awesome yeah so that that's that's the first one we've got on um second one is wind reading clinic which will be very handy at that range <laughs> so so when we're when reading you know man i i've actually i think this year specifically kaylin and i have really started to hammer down a really solid wind curriculum um, based of uh, just based upon all the information that is out there uh, and then our experience through the different ranges that we've shot. And so not only that, but like a student's interpretation of how to read wind and based off of their experience level, what kind of information their brain is already able to kind of uh, calculate, right? So I say that because how many of us have been on forums and we've seen all those charts of like, oh, five to eight miles an hour, you see wind in constant motion and all this crap, right? And and then like all these like different like mirage squiggly lines. And so what I do for my class, for my wind class, what I did uh, on my last wind clinic is I was like, all right, hey guys, we're going to look at the mirage through your glass. And then just on a piece of paper, I want you to like write down and, and draw out what you think you see. <laughs> and everyone saw with a right to left one, everyone saw that, that nine, uh, that, uh, that three to nine o'clock, right? The, 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 uh, the squiggle was just a straight flat, you know? And it was like, okay, right. That's all you see at that moment, because that is all your brain can really understand of what this wind is. And until you start to shoot in different wind scenarios, you're going to, then start to pick out the differences of angles and, and and whatnot right but if you look at if you try to immediately look for that that one o'clock or that freaking two o'clock or that boil i mean it's damn near impossible if no one's ever showed that to you via glass does that does that make sense yeah 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 yeah, yeah. And we 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 keep our we keep our wind call process very simple and that we do that for a reason because the more complex you make the process, the longer it's going to take you to actually get an adjustment that you're satisfied and happy with and, and confident with. Well, you might not be confident in it, um, but you have to have something to go off of. And we're really, obviously in our wind clinic, we're teaching you how to read wind and compensate for it, not to take direction from the other dude in the squad who says, yeah, man, I, you know, just hold, hold six tenths, you know, left from center. That's all I did. Well, that's fine. Um, and that you might get away with that. But the problem is with that is 
if you're successful, you're not going to stop and ask yourself why you were successful. You're going to be like, okay, Roger that next stage, moving on, right? I'm going to take my, you know, however many points I scored on that stage and be like, all right, yeah, man, six tenths worked, but you're not going to go pick that apart and get back in your glass and go, Hmm, why did six tenths work on that? And, um, can I replicate that now on the other side, if, if you, if you, if you use that six tenths and then let's just say it doesn't work and, and things fall apart for you, then you're going to go, Oh, well, that sucked. Why did that not work? And you're not going to understand how to pick apart that six tenths to figure out where it went wrong. Right. And that's all we're teaching in that wind clinic is, is, is the, the most simple form of making an accurate wind adjustment that you can possibly make. And then we also teach people how to re-engineer re it or reverse engineer it. So that way you can diagnose when you don't get it right. Yeah. You learn the why. Yeah, you, know, you have to. We're, we're going to build your uh, uh, visual perception of what the wind is doing, right? Um, because that's essentially, other than like standing at the shooter with the Kestrel, which is like one piece of information, right? Most of the time as a long range shooter, we're spending a lot of time observing through glass downrange or what the, what the wind and, and how it's influencing the terrain and stuff like that. So we go through all of that stuff based off of the places that we've seen and traveled to all across the US, right? And so immediately when we get to your guys' range, we're gonna see, okay, hey, this is a specific type of range that we've probably already been to, but still every range is unique to its to itself right it, of, of how the wind flows through that specific channel and whatnot i'm sure you know the range that you guys you guys have different winds you know one day versus the other yeah yeah, yeah. so so for instance the last match we had day one was a right to left which coming right across the top of the basically the top of the valley across in front of the peaks but then day two is fishtailing from sort of from behind us a bit, and then it switched again later on. So it does it does change around, yeah. I think it's a flicks from all over, doesn't it? It, it can be a, it can be a headwind one minute to a tailwind the next. Yeah, yeah. It's it Did, is a nightmare. It, it's it's, have it's you a guys good been, place to to get a gauge for wind, definitely. Have you guys been listening to the to the new uh, ballistic series from Hornady on their podcast? I strongly recommend it. Um, it's fantastic. The Jaden and Seth do a fantastic job. And, um, even the podcast that I've listened to with, with regard to, um, wind it's, it's very enlightening and, and I, I can't recommend it enough for, for people to listen to. That'll be a my list then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm terrible because I just good. don't have time for podcast. Yeah. <laughs> the last thing I'll win before we roll into our next class, I'll ask you guys is is like how do you guys like right now as as you guys are just thinking in your heads, like but my question to you is like, what do you feel like the best way to um be able to uh become a better wind caller would be? Like what would be the best way to learn wind? Sending more, sending more down range, and just and, in and different learning ways. what it what happens in different environments. I think that's that's generally the way that I would would go with it is sending more down range and understanding. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, that's shifted me a mil to the left off plate, and I, I think the wind's doing this. What's happening between me and and the plate, and and sort of assessing. That's what I would do personally. See, for me, I look at 
what the wind's doing across the ground, like what the ground is doing. So if the ground's got a kink in it or the ground's got a big uphill in it, I know that bullet's either going to go up or down when it hits that because the wind's going to bounce off it. That's, that's your it's, F class. It's the learning of how much it's going to do that is what does me. Yeah. But I over, because obviously I've shot years of looking at a wind flag every hundred yards. Yeah. So I, I kind of get confused of, I've not got a flag to look at. Right, what am I looking <laughs> at? So I'll look at pieces of grass and do this and do that. And nine times out of 10, it turns around and bites me. <laughs> yeah. It is what it is. Yeah. yeah. Trey has a bit more of a methodical approach than us. Um, I don't know. Um, I got. I'm quite good at calling wind on my property that I shoot on. I could tell you within two or three tenths at six hundred yards what the wind is, but that's because I've shot on it for years and years and years, and I've shot in it in all different conditions. And I know if the wind's coming up through that valley at six mile an hour, it's going to do this at in this particular arc of fire or whatnot. But then you put me on a different range where I haven't had the chance to put the rounds down. I'm I'm like a I, I'm a rabbit in headlights. It's, 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 it's bad, and it's one thing that definitely lets me down as a shooter is getting closer on my first rounds. Um, mm. Actually, picking a, a, a winkle and uh, and doing it. I mean, I do use the um, mile an hour method with the corrected wind rows. Um, I've got that on my arm board. I do try try and do that um, as as best I can. Um, but I don't know. It's 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 always going to be an enigma, and I think even when you think you've got it, it's going to turn around. It's going to slap you and say, "No, no, it hasn't." So, um, I just want to learn more about it, just in <laughs> just in general, just to get better. Because you can only get the, better, can't you? you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you you can and you can't. Okay. So if you're, you know, not going down the the super deep rabbit hole of wind but you can get worse um by not having a system if you don't have a system and a process you can get worse because what's going to end up happening is you're going to become more and more confused and the more and more confused you become your confidence level will continue to drop and and the more complicated you make the process and uh the farther off you are on that first shot that you send with that initial wind call that can start killing your confidence. And when your confidence is destroyed, I'm speaking from personal experience here. When you, when your confidence level goes down, um, you're actually operating and the fur and the more you push, the more you push when your confidence level is, is down without having a system, the worse it's going to get. And you're going to continue to manifest more shitty wind calls the deeper and harder you try to push. Right. So, so yeah, so getting some instructions uh <laughs> paramount then. Well, I'm just glad I've took taken two weeks off. <laughs> that's all that matters. Yeah. Honestly, man, sometimes that's what it takes. Phil and I have that conversation quite a bit. Uh who was it that asked you, Phil, like, um, do you get burnout? Uh do you get burnout? Yeah, it was Jason. Yeah. Um and, and the fact is, yeah, you do, you get burnout and sometimes you got to take a break and you got to come back to it and, and be like, all right, cool. I'm going to go focus on something different for now because I am just smoke checked when it comes to whatever this sick, process is. I got sick of shooting the beginning of this year and took three months off without pulling the trigger. Yeah, you I was just going up. I was up and down the country. I was shooting. I was either 
training, doing F class, stalking. <laughs> and I got to yeah. a point where I was like burnt out. I filled my van up with petrol instead of diesel because I was knackered. <laughs> I was running on like three hours sleep trying to get yeah. to Mackie. <laughs> yeah. It was what? Like, yeah. done. What, what, why, did, why did you ask the question, Phil? Uh, so I asked the question because, you know, what a lot of times people, especially when they start shooting, is they think at first when they start shooting, they just have to send a bunch of rounds downrange. But when you think about it, right, especially if you you're, you have yet to push all of your fundamentals into your subconscious, when you're shooting and you're getting behind the gun, you're thinking about all these things, rifle to shoulder connection, your grip, your, uh, your natural point of aim, right? And then when it's time to make a wind call, maybe you occupy or you allow your brain 10 seconds to process what the wind is doing, right? Before you send it. Versus if you were just to be on glass as an observer, watching other people shoot and talking with them, now your brain is 100% focused on wind. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So, you know, I, I always highly recommend, especially during our wind classes, is like, hey, uh, you should be on glass. Like if you're not shooting, you need to be on glass because you yeah. need to be watching the information that's downrange and talking to the shooter and asking them like, hey, what are you going to open up with your wind call so you can visualize, okay, he's holding five tenths, you know, they send it and then you can start processing in your head, okay, what? why do you think, you know, he got that wrong um, versus if you were on the gun, you know, maybe you're thinking like, oh, maybe I pulled that shot or whatever the case is, you know, you're you're thinking about other things other than wind versus when you're just observing, you can just focus 100% of your thoughts on that wind and what the wind call is doing. And that, and that, in my opinion, is how you become a better wind reader. And that's why we're asking you to come over here and teach us how to do it, because I've never thought of it like that. And now you've just explained it. it just It's like a light bulb moment. It's just gone off. Like, yeah, yeah. I always, you... I'm always on glass, mm. but I don't have a clue. One, one of the most successful... Uh, successful things that, that I implemented when I was teaching sniper students was taking the the second relay because we shoot um, with tar like F-class, right? We have targets in the butts that we have to run up and down target boards. And so what I started to do was um, I just would run a skeleton crew in the butts and I would only have one student per each target hanger um, or carriage. And then I would have everybody else uh, be up on the firing line behind the shooters that were shooting and their sole purpose in life was just to hang back um, with me with spotting scopes and do nothing but watch wind, watch target carriages come up and down, listen to the shooters and all they're doing is observing. There's no stress being slung on them. They're not getting, they're not, they're not being asked to do anything other than just observe conditions and, and watch the results of the wind calls that are being made. And as soon as I started to implement that, the scores dramatically increased because guys were able to finally sit there and, and read the conditions in a systematic way. So that way they could replicate that process when it came down time for them to shoot. And it was, uh, it, it was something that was of great value. And I noticed scores increased dramatically right, right after it started to get, after we started to do that. So like Phil saying, just being on the glass without any stress um, or without any, you know, uh, pressure for per, uh, pressure of performance. All you're doing is just observing things. And, and that is that is really, in my personal opinion, that's where the secret sauce lies with reading wind. So we got so we got an intro, a wind reading and what else we guys what else we got on the schedule with you guys? 
positional on the 21st and 22nd. Oh, positional shooting. Oh, my favorite. All right, so as a competitive shooter, right, everyone wants to, you know, learn how to shoot off wobbly props or whatever the case is. But realistically, um, with positional shooting, what it is 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 it, I don't like to call it advanced shooting techniques because there's no such thing as advanced shooting techniques. It's just brilliance and understanding the the prone shooting. But what we do in positional shooting is is for you to understand the wobble zone and how it's created based off of what you are doing as a shooter to influence that rifle and, and, and how it moves as the further we get off of our belly, you know what I mean? You know, so depending on if you've got an aggressive left to right wobble zone, right? That's usually indication that, Hey, maybe you didn't square your hips up accordingly to uh, your target um, on the X axis of your body. That's causing your, lower body to point one way and your upper body to drive the, the rifle another way. Or maybe you're getting a lot of vertical, you know, wobble zone where that rifle is just going up and down, up and down, uh, over the target. Well, maybe, you know, you're relying too much on your, uh, that prop that you're shooting off of to support your body weight up, right? You've, you've created a cantilever shooting position. So how to, we avoid that. So really the positional shooting is, Again, not any like advanced shooting techniques. It's like, hey, having more body awareness of what you, what our body wants is telling us through our reticle, essentially. Yeah. You probably um, heard me sort of sniggering at James. The, every single stage I see James shoot, I'll either try and kick him or throw something at him because he doesn't... He doesn't oh, I pretty much have my feet facing behind me. He, he doesn't square up. He's so... Oh, he's, <laughs> I'm sick of reminding yeah. him now. He's always he's always off. He's Occasionally, I kind of remind myself, but <laughs> yeah. I, know, I get into the moment and just get him sent. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, if anything, like the techniques we'll teach is obviously bag placement, right? Techniques of shooting off of uh, natural terrain, or you know, each each type of prop has a specific nuance that you have to keep in mind. You know what I mean? Um, and then shooting off a tripod, especially for the hunters, you know. Uh, one of the things that Keelan and I can't stress enough is the importance of having a tripod as a, you know, practical shooter. A lot of times shooters will buy a tripod thinking that, you know, it's just there to support your glass. But the the things that you can do with your rifle and a tripod is is uh, is amazing, um, especially if you want to um, get better at positional shooting. You could set up your own, you know, positional dry fire drills at specific heights with your tripod at home. You know what That's I mean? That's what I do. Yeah, that is exactly what I do. Yeah, it's literally what me and Trez have been doing, and James as well. I've, I've, I've now put coloured markers on my tripod for standing, kneeling, and seating. So for when I do the craft challenge, um, that's so I know exactly where I'm going now. Um, the tripod's not just for sticking glass on top of anymore. It's, it's a positional tool. That's exactly what I use it for now. I try and dry fire as much as possible. Yeah, but I tend to do. It I, th I think the tripod. Well. He's starting to get uh, noticed a lot more. Like me, uh, me and Andy and James, well, we worked at a big show uh, for Vizalis, which is our main sponsor. And we was sitting there with um, our rifles and the new Zeiss uh, optic on, on our rifles. And they were sitting there on tripods and everybody was coming up to us going, oh, what, what are you doing with, why have you got, why is it on a tripod for? Because everybody in the UK, they all hunt on, uh, have you seen them uh, quad sticks? 
Mm. I don't know if you've Plastics. seen those. Yeah, they they, mm. they they use those and we say no, like look at this. This is, I mean, our tripods that we was using. They're a little bit big for what you carry carrying up a mountain, but there's obviously smaller ones out there. And we explained them to them, and we got them to look for the for the uh, for the scope, and they could see how steady they could get. And it, they couldn't they couldn't get their hat on a lot of, a lot of these people that I've got no interest in PRS, but they was questioning why are you using a tripod and. Um, I think the UK is starting to come to terms with how important a tripod is in your, um, you know, in that toolkit that you've that you've got. Just it's it's a tool for for many different things, and uh, they uh, hopefully, well, I mean, ninety five percent of the people that turn up for our matches have all got their own tripods anyway. So nice. yeah. uh, it's definitely it's definitely starting to um, mm. Rub off on, on our shooters. Who, who has um, the biggest market share for tripods in in the UK? So Amazon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so there's 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 a brand. It's a tripod, and it's it's known by a few different brand names. It's one of those ones, um, but it costs two hundred and eighty nine pounds, and that's just with um, an empty bowl on the top. And it's a, the brand that is labeled up as it is Inorel. It's called. And for the money, it's probably the best tripod you'll buy. It's carbon you said fiber. In, enduro? It, it, no, Inorel. I double N O R E L, I think it is. I'll, I'll send you a link. Um, yeah, it's definitely on my, uh, at, um, my list. But it, for, for the money, it's, it's incredibly good. So we, we see there's a few two vets tripods over here that the guys have bought and brought over. There's few really right stuff ones um the we myself and trez we're sponsored by um uh, a company called tactical shooting solutions and they import and bring in uh protac tripods which are pretty damn good they're the only tripods that we know that have full lockout leg system like a patented lock lockout leg so when you run tripod rear if you if you're if you're not careful, your tripod will close up on itself, yeah. depending on which way you go with it. Yep. But this, you can lock the legs physically out, nice. um, and it just doesn't do anything. So there's a few of those around, but it's kind of a mixed bag, really. Cool. Um, I'm I'm hoping to see if I can have a, a chat with the guys from Two Vets um, when we're over in the states, and see if maybe they'll uh, they give us a hand on spreading the word about their tripods through the PRS in the UK. I've but... got the cheapest, nastiest looking tripod you can possibly think <laughs> you, of. You've got just, just <laughs> a tripod. It, it's horrendous. <laughs> like, yeah, it's not even, not, you wouldn't even put a piece of glass on it. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just going to get the name of that um, tripod for you while, while we're still talking, Phil. Um, oh, there you go. So this is, yeah, Inorel, I-N-N-O-R-E-L. RT ninety C Romeo Tango nine zero Charlie. Okay. Um, it's for the for the money. It's it is, it's insane. Money right. yeah. And it's so light as well. So light. And it's very stable. Yeah. It's very stable. Uh, Kalen, our uh, our uh, good friend, um, who's an instructor at Quantico, he was actually in training this past weekend that I was just at. Uh, he's over at the Quantico school schoolhouse. Said name uh, Marine was also uh questioning some of the uh tripod techniques that you had least released in your video oh yeah you remember? yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah so, I, I remember uh we were doing we having some one-on-one time and boy the light bulbs just turned right on um and he's is that, I mean, he found, is that right he, he found his own truth <laughs> right um 
with uh you know with regard to shooting off a tripod and um good you know so hopefully he spreads the word you know um obviously i'm starting with the quantico schoolhouse about you know like why why we did that video right you know so that's good fantastic i've had my longest distance fox off of a tripod nice yeah, that that's how stable you can get on them. Are they are they uh are they they are they considered predators there? Like, is are they a freaking nuance? They're a pain in the ass. They're like they're like our coyotes. They're the only yes. they're the only predators really we've got over here that we can yes. legally shoot. Yeah, I mean, they're, 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 don't get me wrong, they're beautiful to look at. Foxes are amazing, but they're a royal pain in the ass. Okay. Um, there's so many of them, and they just need controlling. So, and like some of my permissions, they're all dairy farms and. And they go around and they just crap all over the place and cause issues and eat the chickens. Um, so yeah, and, and Trez, one of his permissions is, is a lamb farmer. So he, you you had quite a high tally last year, didn't you, Trez? But oh, I shot I shot a lot of foxes last year. <laughs> <laughs> nice, um, a lot of foxes. I do a lot of foxes. Awesome. I do more deer. So yeah, for me, a tripod's. I I won't go stalking with a tripod. No, it's my shots are anywhere between like. 20 and 150 yards yeah you don't really time i get a tripod out the deer's long gone yeah that's that's one of the things that i learned uh, hunting in africa was um they're they use sticks they use just shooting sticks and all of our shots were if if you could get to the prone then you were either taking a prone shot or you were taking a standing shot it was either one of those two um uh or you know, using a vehicle as, as support for, you know, baboons or something like that. But those, the full size standing sticks were absolutely amazing. And, um, I hadn't shot off of those right until I went to Africa. No, they're just a trick. Like just imagine, you know, three dowel rods, um, lashed together. No, it's just, they're sticks. They're sticks. There's, literally sticks and they're all lashed together and um they i don't know how old this this set of shooting sticks was but this stuff i mean they were probably like 50 years old but um the the benefit of those was fantastic because by the time like like you said like if your shots are that close um in close proximity to critters like that shot is happening either right this second or it's gone right so you have to be super fast what else we got going for you guys over in the UK? What else is on one, the schedule? I think another advanced class. I think that's it, huh? That's advanced right. comp, yeah. Yeah, advanced classes, advanced competition is the next one, which is 24th to 26th of April. Yeah. So what? who is that catered for? Um, I that I would say that's specifically catered to, you know, obviously your guys' core group of PRS UK shooters, you know, guys that are looking at, ways to take their game to the next level of competition um you know uh that's where you know we we really break down a uh stage game planning right and understanding how to use the tools that you have based off of your experience um but also based off of looking at it from three or four different points of view right you know when when you have a stage and stuff like that um especially a little bit more of a dynamic stage um typically the ones that really figure it out uh, are the ones that do it really successful um it you know especially with hey when to use a tripod rear 
uh, when to use uh, specific uh, equipment like, uh, you know, sky pods or, or whatnot, when to use bipods in a bag versus just the bag, you know, so going through these certain things and then, and really your pre and post stage uh, checklist, that's huge. Like sticking to a routine of, Hey, once I get my stage brief, this is what I need to be doing. This is my priorities of work, right. And get into a flow and a rhythm. And then obviously, you know, dry rehearsing in your head, Hey, this is what I want to do because, um, you know, a lot of times guys will either sit on their Kestrels or their ballistic solvers for half the amount of time, especially if you guys only got running through like 30 to 40 shooters, how big are your squads? Like four or five, or you guys run like eight man squads, six, yeah, six seven. Yeah. <clears throat> so that turnover rate is really fast. It's, fast. You know what I mean? it's quick. And if you're not managing your time correctly, next thing you know, you get your stage brief and you're the first one up. You're, you're, you know, like you're the next one up and you know, you're in your, you know, shooter four. Um, so how to manage your time correctly. Um, and then, uh, yeah, your, yeah, like your, your post-stage processes of like, Hey, what are you, what are you writing down with regard to, you know, your after actions, you know, um, that allows you to be honest with yourself and then look back at your, because that, that, that is now your like essentially shooting journal of your, of your matchbook. Like, Hey, this is how my gun was tracking. This is how I was shooting, you know, whether you're making too bold of a wind call or whatever, so that you can take that information for your next training day. So that's essentially what kind of the advanced shooting competition clinic kind of really entails is, is finding certain things that I've found along the way as a top level competitor uh, that helps me stay up top or, you know, right now I've just been having uh, a way trying to figure out a way to get back to the top because making it to the top and making it at the top are two different beasts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. We've, we've, we've got some of the, the, the top shooters in the UK and Ireland booked on that already. So there's Rory and Dan Gibbons. Uh, Rory actually finished, ninth. Even, was it ninth overall yeah, ninth. in the World Championship? No, 12th. So, 12th. Oh, was it 12th in the end? 12, was it? 12th, yeah. Right. Um, so he's, yeah, he's, he's a damn good shot. Um, so he's, he's actually mentoring James here. Yeah. <laughs> Jumped straight on that one. <laughs> which is cool. Um, I, I've managed to claim his brother, Daniel, to give me some tips. Um, but yeah, there's the, the guys that, are, that we know are booked on it so far are, are that selective sort of pool that you mentioned, the ones that they, 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 they're understanding their fund, fundamentals. They know their wind calls, they know what they're doing. Uh, the positional works good. They, that, that's that next step. And to be fair, though, a lot of people <clears throat> of just the average, like like us three, we mm. could all learn monumental amounts just from that. Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. My, my, rhythm, my routine and my timekeeping is beyond bad <laughs> at a match. Like, I, from one stage to the next, I'll be doing 10 different things completely differently. Like, yeah. One stage, I'm going straight off the stage, I've written down everything that I thought was gone, how well it's gone, how bad it's gone. And the next stage, I'm just like straight on glass, like, yeah, I'll, I'll see what you're doing. And yeah. Yeah. I don't get back and I've got missing bits in my book and all sorts. Yeah. So I think everyone can learn from that one. Every single oh, shooter can learn from every single course that we've got coming with, with Phil and Kalen, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if, you're, if you're not learning, you're not, you're not evolving. If you're not evolving, you're dying. Well, the interesting thing is, is that all of the subjects, all of the four courses that we have, every 
core subject of each of those courses is going to be covered in each class. You see what I'm saying? So like, we're going to talk about wind calling in our intro class, right? We're going to talk about that in depth. Um, we're going to talk about, um, we're going to talk about some basics of, of, of positional shooting and some basics of external ballistics in the wind reading class, because we have to, um, we're going to talk about some wind stuff in the positional shooting class because we have to, you know? So like all of these things are going to, are going to, uh, come together. Let's just say, uh, we have somebody that comes and says, I'm going to do two classes. Okay. Well look at the four that we have to, that we have to offer and say, okay, well, my weaknesses, um, these things. Okay. Well, my weakness is then going to be addressed in both of these classes because it's a primary, it's a primary focus in one and an alternate or secondary focus in another. So you're going to have a, tr you're going to have a lot of time, uh, to dedicate to, uh, refining your skills. And, um, we've just, we've done a lot of work to streamline our process in terms of how we teach things to get, to, to make sure that the student has the maximum return on their investment of time and money. Um, and we've just, it's something that we've, that we're always changing every year. Like our curriculum has changed from last year and it, it's still the core competencies are there and addressed, but just the way that the information is delivered, we say, okay, yeah, do we really need to talk about this? This, nah, let's not do that. Let's not spend so much time on that because that's not really super important. What's really more important? Well, this is over here more important. And this is what is going to help solidify this concept in the student's brain. Because that's all that we're trying to do is solidify concepts in the brain. You've raised, you've made a good point on that actually, Kevin, because I think when you see something on a website or on paper and it say it's, it's a positional class or it's an advanced class, the, the, what you've just said about them, that you actually touch on all the other subjects in those classes will probably make a big difference in people's heads when they're considering what to take as well. Um, sure. Because I think people go, oh, advanced class, cool, yeah, I can take that because I'm doing X, Y, Z, but, or they might be shy away from taking the wind reading clinic because actually they, they feel they're too good for it. But when there's, there's a lot of stuff in there, you know. Guys, if there's, so if, if there is an opportunity, um, let's just say there was a range that was just saying, hey, man, today we're going to open up to the public. We're going to open up to the public and you just come out and shoot. I'm going to go to that range. I'm going to go to that range and just spend a couple hours reading the wind and reading those conditions and figuring it out and saying, okay, well, this is my process showing up to this place. How well does my process stack up to making wind calls accurate enough to get first round impacts or within three tenths to center? Because if we think about it, if you can get a wind call, you know, on an unfamiliar range on your first shots, three tenths to center, that means that undeniably that unless you screw it up, right? Unless you screw up your application of the, of the fundamentals, when you send that second follow-up shot, you're most likely going to make a correction that's going to result in a second round impact. Whereas like if we're starting to go like six or seven or eight tenths from center, then that second round correction is that much more difficult to get to hit the plate just because visual perception, where did it actually land? Um, you know, how, how accurate, uh, or how acute is my vision in identifying where the bullet actually landed in relationship to where I wanted it to go? How is my post shot process? 
Yeah, man. That's like, even if you, even if there's a person it's like, yeah, man, I got wind reading down. It's like, nah, no, just take the opportunity to come out to a different region or a different area and put your money where your mouth is and say, Hey, are my skills up to par to go anywhere in the country or anywhere on the globe and get a first round hit? That's really the, that's really the ultimate goal of wind reading. Yeah. Just a side note off that, as you go in regional and this, that, and the other, um, not the folks that are not in the UK, it really isn't hard to get signed up onto this. No, it no. really mm. isn't. That would be a great, that'd be a great way to wrap this up in terms of like, Hey, okay, we've talked about this. Like now I know there was some concerns from people of like, Hey, how do I get my rifle to the UK? How do I get my ammo to the UK? What is it that I need to do to make this happen? Because it might be right across, it might be right across the channel and somebody from France wants to come over or somebody from Germany wants to come over. Yeah, so the, the process is actually really simple. Um, we've actually got Hakan Spur coming over for the finale in, in October. Nice. He, 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 booked, he booked on the other day. Um, and it's just a form. It's literally one form, two pages. You fill it out with basically your details, um, where you come in, why you come into the UK, serial numbers and information of your rifle, what color of it is. Um, there's generally no, there's no limit on the amount of ammunition you can bring, um, into the UK. You just have to abide by, um, the airline or the process you're coming over with. If you're driving, you bring whatever you need to bring, just make sure you put that amount on the document. If you're flying, then check with your airline basically, because they're, they're the ones that will dictate on your weight limits and, and quantities, but it is literally that, that, that simple. It's a form with two pages fill out the information, pay a 20 pound fee. We are effectively sponsoring you to come shoot in the UK for our match. And that's it. It goes off to our local constabulary. They issue a temporary permit, job done. What's the, what's the sort of time so, period on that? We, we need a minimum of six weeks before the event to get the paperwork processed. Okay, so six weeks, not that bad. Um, so let me ask you another question, Andy, what about shipping ammunition? Is ammunition permitted to be shipped? So it would mm. have to come over. It would be, have to be shipped over to a UK importer, um, a registered firearms dealer in the UK. We would then have to pick that up, um, on your behalf, or you use your temporary firearms license to go and pick it up from wherever that may be. What we can do is we can look into options on that um, and what, what options are available um, because it's obviously people have ammunition loaded for their rifles. So it's not just a case of, well, you can just buy off the shelf. You shoot right. it's BRA, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we can, we can, we can do some digging in on that. If people want to ship over their ammunition, then we can look at options on that because there, it's hand loaded. It may may cause some of the hurdles to jump through, but we can certainly look into. It. I don't know if you know much about that Trez at all. Uh, I don't. I don't know. Um, I know if you uh, obviously you guys have got the support of Hornady. So if you wanted to get say twenty thousand rounds over here, you would Hornady would contact the um, Edgar Brothers. Edgar Brothers, which is the importer here. Edgar Brothers will then ship out your ammo to Pro Shoots shop, which because I've got their own, um, got their own okay. gun shop at the range. 
and you just come in like like Andy said with your um with your with your uh, temporary permit and that will just give you the give you the rounds. It's essentially that permit is like exactly the same as you having a firearm certificate, same as mine, same as Andy, same as James's. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Andy might be onto something there. I think it's going to be hard to ship ammunition. I think you probably will be looking. It'll be hard, more hassle than what it's worth to do it. Yeah. So you'd be you'd be better off either making sure that it's available. <clears throat> prior to leaving or bring your own stuff yeah yeah well the the thing that i the thing that i ask is that is you know so if a guy's wanting to come to or gal wants to come to more than one course right so we have 400 rounds that are required for the intro to long range and then 300 rounds it's required for the positional shooting clinic there's no way that you're traveling with 700 rounds via air via air um because that's going to be overweight limit and so it's just like okay so I did have an idea on this and I'm going to speak to our friends at Edgar brothers and see if we can maybe arrange something. So don't take this as gospel guys, but I'm going to see if we can speak to Edgar brothers and Hornady and see if we can maybe get some reloading kit um, available. So people can reload ammunition um, in once we finish class or whatever it may be and see if we can get Hornady involved on that. Um, it just depends how many people want to have a beer after shooting, you know. <laughs> I, th- I think I think the three of us combined will be taking some some stuff to yeah. Because so we'll, we'll I'll, have... I'll be there for the full full course. I will be reloading myself every single night because yeah, I've not got that amount of brass. Yeah, um, um, but we're we're going to take kit with us, so we'll have um, V three auto tricklers, FX one twenties. We'll have um, Forster coax presses and bits and pieces with us anyway. Um, but if we can, we, we may be able to get support from Hornady for those who need to reload. Because, yeah, it's a hell of a lot of ammunition. Um, and we, we, we're fully aware of that. But, yeah, what's the space on that? We'll see if we can work out some comms and work out some, some info to make that work for guys like that. Okay. Cool. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot easier to get components than it is to get uh, match ammunition of a reasonable quality in the UK for yeah. a price that would be affordable. I mean, you know, you're looking how much is 20, 20 rounds of 6.5 uh, Hornady oh, match? About, about £45 for, 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 well, if you can get it, Hornady, Hornady match, 6.5 cream oil. Oh, it's more like £60. Yeah, it's, it depends where you get it from. Um, you know, it's about it's about seventy five dollars to use, guys, for twenty rounds. So, yeah. you know, it's it's expensive to to do factory. Nobody shoots factory in this country, really. They're all hand loaders. So, yeah. yeah. Well, so we also have uh for you guys um in our network um essentially modern day riflemen UK. So for the guys that are you know, um, looking to um, attend class or even already in class have signed up, you know, we're going to start putting information of just getting you guys ready, uh, you know, with uh, whether materials or, you know, any kind of announcements that you have for how many rounds you'll need and, and whatnot and a way for you guys to also connect, especially every, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are going to have the same concerns, you know what I mean? And so someone that has already done through the process can help each other, right? Um, because I think Kaylin and I have talked, we don't even know if we're going to bring our own rifles. Uh, we didn't bring it for Germany. Um, it was less of a hassle, you know? So, you know, the question is like, do we... yeah, yeah. 
you know so if anything like what we'll do is just make sure we bring ammo right for a specific rifle that we want to shoot um you know but we usually keep our demonstrations uh pretty short um you know because the class is about you not sh us showing you how we can shoot you guys can obviously see how we shoot via instagram and all that stuff so we do a demo of so that you can see hey this is what um you know we're expecting out of you to not perform for this evolution but hopefully give you the confidence like okay hey this is what for especially for the those uh, uh uh visual type learners and um yeah so check out the group and then where can these guys go to essentially sign up how how would the process be and uh for for these guys or we need to talk dates too i don't think we really chatted on hard dates I put the dates as we were going through them, but so PRS 101 is 15th to the 18th of April. Wind reading is 19th and 20th. Positional is 21st and 22nd. Advanced competition is 24th, 25th, 26th of April. So if you if you want to get on all all the courses, it's it's, it's a nice length. But um, as far as booking on, you can get in touch with us via social media. That's probably one of the quickest ways because everybody's on that. You can email us, which is info at precisionrifleseries-uk.com um, or the website precisionrifleseries-uk.com. Um, you can go on there. I'm going to chuck a link to the modern day sniper stuff on the homepage. So it's nice and easy to find as well. It'll be in the navigation. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's nice and simple. Drop us a line on there. We'll get in touch and advise exactly what the process is. We'll take a, a deposit off you guys to just to secure it. And then the balance needs to be cleared um, a minimum of eight weeks before the course starts. So you're looking end of February, pretty much. Um, so so how, many, how many uh, how many slots are left at this point in time, Andy? Do you have any idea? So I can give you some exact figures, actually, um, because we've got well, – I'm that, that kind of guy. <laughs> I've, got, <laughs> I've got sort of – loads of spreadsheets and bits and pieces like that with um, Who's the tech guy i'm the tech guy yeah <laughs> so monday sniper current signups um so we have currently there's five slots on 101 left um wind clinic there's 10 positional clinic there is seven advanced there is 11 that's current available slots so there's obviously a, a, quite a lot of people booked onto those already um so obviously we want to get as many fields as possible. I just, mm -hmm. just quickly to preface this for guys as well. As an outfit, Precision Rifle Series is not making a massive profit on this. Just want to make sure that everybody knows that. <laughs> we, mm -hmm. we, we, we're just trying to give an education out to our shooters because um, the, more, the happier people are shooting, the better they're shooting, the more likely they're going to want to come shoot our matches, the more likely they're going to want to compete the more rounded a shooter they're going to get overall as well. Um, so we're not in this to make a, a bundle of profit. Um, obviously, we, we want bums on seats and people in there shooting. Um, but yeah, we're not, we're not in this to make bundles of bundles of profit. That's not what we're about as an organization. And most of our shooters know that anyway. It's just cost covering, isn't it? As long as, as, long as costs are covered, we're good, man. We're good. Yeah. Let's get people shooting and, and ringing steel at distance. Most definitely, there's no wages coming out of any, <laughs> yeah. any of PRS. Yeah, yeah. So right on, guys. No, it's nice and simple, but um, we're just looking forward to having you guys over um, more because we we can 
drain the brains on you as well to, to get as much as it, out of it as we can too. Just bring your steel toe Texas because I'm going to need a good kick in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, wear some big boots awesome. to give James a kick. Well, make sure we uh, we connect uh, when you guys are out here for uh, for the finale. Um, about a couple of week, a couple of days out, we'll uh, we'll um, we'll connect. But uh, I know we've got some stuff to do on our end with regard to marketing flyers, and um, this is hopefully getting back on trend with podcasts, talking about upcoming classes and and whatnot. But um, yeah, I, I don't see a problem with uh with with those with those getting filled. Uh, excited to travel back over to the, you know, um, the other side of the ocean and meet the different counterparts. Germany was fun. We had even some some um, guys travel six or seven hours just to meet us for lunch, uh, which was pretty cool. Which was pretty cool uh, while we were in Germany. So um, yeah, it's gonna be a good time. Well, we'll we'll be there on the Friday um, for the for the zero and dope, and then obviously there's banquet on the Friday evening as well. So we'll be there. I'm sure we can catch a yeah, grab a beer or whatever. Or if you guys are anywhere in Nashville on the Thursday or anything, we can, we'll go out for a beer or something. Um, but yeah, we'll, we're gonna hopefully have an awesome time with that. Um, we'd love to jump back on another podcast after these courses as well. You know, so a bit of a debrief sure. and just sort of and go through. Or even any in between. Um, I think we we probably got some knowledge we'd we'd love to share with people as well. Um, maybe if it's just specifically shooting in the UK and what we find our experiences shooting in the UK at matches because we we do get to shoot them as well. Um, and maybe just like breakdown of stuff, you know, breakdown stages and and and, and how we shoot and how you it'll guys. Be, it'll be good probably to catch up by the time we've finished our our finale, our yeah, first finale, and that's kind sure. Yeah. When's your ne- when's your guys' finale? First and second of October. Okay. Okay. Mm. Yeah. No, we let's do that. Let's uh let's let's talk and then we'll let's let's talk about how the year went for you guys, you know, and what yeah. what kind of numbers you got are ex- expecting for for next year. Yeah. Yeah. We've got a awesome. we've got a practice event on on the tenth and eleventh of September as well. We did one in August and we had quite a lot of new shooters come on, which is really good. And whilst Trez said earlier that there's nobody really qualified to sort of teach what we do, we, we obviously have uh, some knowledge to, to put forward and, and get people onto stage and the basic, you know, the, the fundamentals and what we're doing. Um, and we had a real successful weekend and it was, it was awesome to see a lot of people wanting to sort of get into it. Um, so yeah, practice days, we do practice weekends as well. So the next one's 10th and 11th of September. There's a practice day on the Saturday and then like a fun eight, 10, maybe 10 stage match on the Sunday as well. So yeah, we're, we're doing as much as we can to keep trying to try low key it. stressful match. So for anyone yeah. that's interested in doing it and go, oh, I don't want to go do a match. Yeah. None of our matches are stressful. Um, you don't need all the gear you see everyone. Our shooters are that accommodating. Mm. As long as you've got a dialable scope, a bipod, 10 round magazine, every single shooter on our course will lend you kit. Oh, yeah, man. We'll just have whatever at you. Yeah. Like, try before you buy, sort of thing. With <laughs> yeah. no, that's good. Forward. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. The advice has always been handed out. I say, uh, me and Andy have t- had two Irish lads take us under the wings. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
It's good fun, man. It is good crack. But that's that's the love for precision rifle, and hopefully one day we'll we'll have uh, if we if we do it on a square footage comparison, maybe we'll be as comparable as the states one day. No, we're going to put on better <laughs> matches. <laughs> put on better matches, yeah. But now you boys are coming over here. Yeah, but no, yeah, I'm looking, looking right. forward to to hooking up at the finale if we can, Phil. That'll be awesome. Cool. Yeah. Awesome, awesome guys. guys. Well, it's good to talk, chat with you guys. Um, we're very much looking forward to coming over and seeing y'all, and um, we'll just continue to push the classes. I don't think we're going to have any problems getting these last numbers filled up. So um, thank you all for your time, and thank you guys for uh, for coming on to the podcast and talking about uh, what it is that you guys do over there in the UK. No problem at all. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for having us. Thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, thank you, guys. Thank you. All right, guys. Uh, for everyone that's listening in, let us know what you guys think. Check out uh, check out our website. Check out PRS UK. And then again, if you guys are interested in uh, joining that network, specifically that group, or if you're already in the network, um, it's the was it Modern Day Rifleman UK? Yeah, that's group the one, name. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you just gotta uh, knock on the door, and we'll we'll let you in. So um, again, appreciate everyone. Appreciate you guys coming. I know it's late there uh, on your side of the side of the house. So. Appreciate it's you guys staying up late. It's not too bad. Yeah. And, uh, 10 o'clock. Yeah. Uh, you guys know the drill. Keep your face on the gun.